0: Today on the show, we have Amber. She is an emotional eating, digestive, and hormone expert who helps high-achieving women create a level of self-confidence, intuition, and optimal health through powerful mindset healing, self-care, and overcoming self-sabotage with food. On her podcast, the No Sugar Coating Podcast, it has over a million downloads and over 400 episodes uh, listened to around the world. Amber has overcome her own o- emotional eating journey and works one-on-one with clients on their own healing journeys.
1: Yeah, so we're talking a lot, if you couldn't tell, about some food stuff today and emotional eating, disordered eating, cycle syncing, etc. I wanted to give you an opportunity to go ahead and skip this episode if this topic is not your jam or isn't going to serve you right now. We walk through in a really non-judgmental space about some techniques that you could employ in your own life, breathing techniques, mindfulness, different ways of looking at food, and of course, cycle syncing. If this conversation is not going to serve you right now and could potentially put you in a negative headspace, you have my full permission to go ahead and skip, maybe listen to an older episode, go hang out on Instagram and wait for our next episode to come out. Hey, Amber, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, ladies. How are you? We are good. We're super excited to dive into today's topic. Before we grill you on all the things and get our brains like exploded with all the information that you're about to share, I would love for you to do just a quick introduction so our audience can get to know you a little bit more
2: and kind of the expertise that you bring to the table. Yeah. So of course, my name is Amber Romanek and I'm emotional eating, digestive and hormone expert. And I really specialize in these areas because so many women are struggling with binge eating, emotional eating, cycle issues hormone imbalances weight loss and body image blocks and I myself went through everything I help my clients with so when it comes to the binge eating the food addiction the self-sabotage with body and and you know wanting to try and force the body to lose weight and then the wide array of hormone imbalances that that caused and the perfection and proving people pleasing mentalities that that created that I had to undo. So through healing myself and now having my business for almost 10 years, I've been able to help thousands of women all over the world dealing with these things as well and really gain freedom, right? This is what we were here to do is create freedom and see that we don't have to be you know, dragging these things along with us. Yeah. I think this
1: is the first time that I've heard a conversation that connected people-pleasing behaviors with cycle syncing, emotional eating, health issues. Can you kind of dig into that a little bit more specifically?
2: Yeah, definitely. So something I've noticed over my 10 years is that I've seen a pattern with many, if not most of the women I connect with dealing with people pleasing issues. And so what the connection I see is, and I went through this too, is that when we have this root kind of void of unworthiness not feeling good enough right what do we do well we're either taught as a child right that you take care of everyone else and you put yourself last and it's frowned upon to prioritize your needs and or because we don't feel good enough we literally put our worth into other people's opinions of us based on what we do for them and so if we're doing and we're busy and we're giving to them we're getting this validation that we're good enough and when we get validation from others we actually our brain produces dopamine and that's the mood boosting feel good hormone. And so when we get that compliment or that, thank you, you're so great. We get a reward. We get this dopamine high and we chase that. But the problem is, is the more overbooked we are, the more overwhelmed we are, the more the cortisol, which is our stress hormone is shooting through the roof, the more brain fog, fatigue, abdominal weight gain, bloating, irregular cycles, cravings, Mm -hmm. And then we feel so out of touch with our bodies. We feel so tired. But then, because we normally, or in my instance, with a lot of the women I talk to, don't have a lot of healthy ways to cope, or we feel guilty making ourselves a priority, we then go into self sabotaging behaviors, quick fix habits. Like, you know, a lot of them say, I don't have time to take care of myself. I've just got five minutes in the evening. I want my quick break. So I go to food right? And so overwhelm. So this is where people pleasing transforms into emotional eating and binge eating, because you're overwhelmed, you're fatigued, we get into the I don't care mentality, our nervous system gets overwhelmed. And then we want to suppress numb or chase a dopamine high with food as well. And so we keep people pleasing. And then because we don't have much time usually to dedicate to looking at why we're emotionally eating or binge eating or investigate why we're out of whack emotionally, physically and energetically the people pleasing continues, we continue to chase the validation, but that keeps us so disconnected from going inward with ourselves and starting to do inner healing, building awareness around our triggers, our symptoms, why we have them, where is this unworthiness coming from, etc. cetera.
0: Yeah. I think for me, it's been so essential to Really navigate what is the root, like what is the root cause? why am I here? why am I acting in a certain way, whether at work or outside of work, whether I'm coping with work outside of work, et etc, and I know that that self awareness has been really essential, but there are definitely periods that you know we've gone through and our clients have gone through where the stress is inevitable. Like it is, you are in it and it is something that you have to trudge through. It's not something you maybe got there by choice. And so those cortisol levels are high. The fight or flight is on. If we know we're going to be in that zone, how can we work to self-regulate in a positive self-aware way that really puts us back in an aligned place?
2: Yeah, good question. So I think the first step is awareness. What does it feel like when my cortisol is ramping up? What are the sensations in my body? Does my chest get tight? Does my breathing change? Do I get anxiety? Are my cravings bigger? Am I, you know, spread too thin? Do I have a shorter fuse? Am I feeling more disempowered? Right? Or my negative critical thinking coming in more, right? Versus one, what does it feel like when I'm in my power? Right. So awareness of what it feels like when you're in power, your shoulders are back more, you're calmer, your breathing is easier. Right. You feel more like, okay, I'm feeling this. I'm feeling the starts of this coming on, but now I can take steps to use tools, which I'll mention right away. But I think awareness is the first step is really what does it feel like when my cortisol is ramping up? What does it feel like when I'm giving my power away to the stress and how do I take it back? And then as far as I think one of the first things we can do is find our breath because as soon as we start to breathe, we start to calm the nervous system. We start to tell the amygdala in the brain, which is the part of us that goes into that fight or flight and produces that flood of cortisol and adrenaline, that it's okay, you're safe. We can start to calm down. So can you find your breath? Even just simply starting to tap your chest, which is a thymus point, starts to calm the nervous system. Or maybe you want to get into EFT tapping, where you're going around all eight points and you can go to the tapping solution.com and learn all about it and even start practicing it yourself. You know, do you just need to take a moment and become present in your environment. What do I see around me, right? Because the thing that we, you know, forget or we're not taught is that there's simple little practices that we can spend even just a couple of minutes doing to take our power back and start regulating our nervous system. And the more present we are, the more in our power we are. And I guess what I mean between being in power and giving it away, is I like to call that, you know, voice in the mind, that critical voice in the mind that gets the stress, stress ramping up, tells us we're not good enough, tells us we have to prove and be perfect, and you know, all of the negative self-talk that to me is that ego voice. And so the more we can be willing to take those few minutes and breathe and do something to regulate our nervous system or become present, the more in our power we are and the more present we are, the less likely it is for that voice to come in and take over. So I think that's the first step is really awareness and using simple things like breath, tapping, or even pulling out a piece of paper, write your thoughts down, do a big brain dump. It can feel very therapeutic to even just like, you know, drop everything on a piece of paper and then just read it back or, you know, crinkle it up and throw it away.
0: Yeah. I know for Emily and I, there was a season where her and I were both struggling to name our feelings and we were consistently saying, I'm overwhelmed. I'm, you know, and using some of the same phrases over and over again, but we're like, I'm overwhelmed, but not like this or over here or whatever. And it was so helpful. I, very nerdy downloaded an emotion chart, you know, that breaks down the pie of like, how specific can you get to naming your emotions? And so, you know, when things get a little out of whack, I'm like, okay, tell me exactly versus that general term, because I don't know how to help you when you're giving me generalness. Because part of being partners in this business as being able to support the other one in whatever they're going through. And we can't ignore that life affects work and the other way around. And then I will say on the breath thing, for me, I'd love to hear what works for you. But I know as someone who's struggled with sinus issues my entire life, I have sleep apnea, literally in addition to disordered eating, I have disordered breathing because like it's very functionally is impossible to breathe in certain ways at certain times. But being aware of how important breathing through your nose is versus breathing through your mouth has been wild to me, both from staying well and like preventing illness, but also just in that regulatory way that I don't know why it's so different. I don't know all the science behind it. But like, Literally shutting my mouth and sometimes (laughs) holding it closed and forcing myself to breathe through my nose makes. Some people like sleep
1: with tape over their mouth. Yeah, they do. One hundred percent. That would I feel like make me really claustrophobic, but I get it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Kind (laughs) of. Yeah.
0: Do you have any
2: breath practices that you can recommend? A couple simple ones. Yeah. So my first favorite is, so I love how you're getting specific with identifying the emotions, right? I think that's important that we dial in that awareness. So I love, okay, what's the dominant negative emotion I'm feeling right now? So is it fear, worry, anger, frustration, overwhelm, guilt, right? So you're going to breathe that fully out. And then on the breath in, what is the positive opposite I want to feel instead? So, right. Is it peace, calm, grounded, joy, happiness? And then what you do is really focus on the breath in, breathing in the joy. Right. And then breathing out all that anger or frustration. And you really focus on that. And as you do, you become present. You're regulating your nervous system even in as simple as four breaths, it makes a huge difference. My second one is the four second breath. So like you breathe in for four seconds, you hold it for four seconds, you breathe out for four seconds and hold it for four seconds. Again, not only is this regulating the nervous system, it helps you become present. And I think that that's what we're not used to. We we get stretched in a million different directions. And so simple practices are like, just focus on this one thing, come back to yourself, come back within yourself. Those are my two favorites.
1: Yeah. I think on the topic of awareness, the thing that's helped me, because I've definitely gone through different seasons of struggling with this more so than other seasons, I not only have to be aware, and I'm pretty well in tune now where I'm like, this thing that I feel like is coming up will absolutely trigger XYZ in my brain within my body. I know myself well enough to know that while I can't prevent it from happening now, I can absolutely see it coming down the pike. So I'm at a point in my life where I've learned to make other people in my life aware of my triggers, my seasons, what's going on in my own brain. And not only talking it out, it serves a really great purpose for me, but having someone else in my corner who's there to be like, how are you feeling today? Checking in with me, reminding me to eat, to move my body, to rest, and that it's absolutely okay to take moments for those things has been the hardest thing for me to do, but the most impactful thing for me to do.
2: Yeah. Well, I think we're so taught, right? When a lot of stress ramps up or whatever it is, and we get really triggered, we shut down, we go into freeze mode, we go into fight or flight, we go to our old behaviors because there's so much guilt around those old behaviors years. are
1: they're comfortable.
2: And they're familiar.
1: And I saw something recently that was like, you know, uh, instead of continuing to shame ourselves for going into old behaviors, because that's a whole other layer, but at least like recognizing and becoming aware that it's something about like, it's not just comfortable because we're used to those old behaviors, but like we know what's going to happen if we go down that route. It's predictable. It's comfortable. It's just this like old blanket, even if it was unhealthy, even if it didn't serve us, like our brain space that existed when that behavior started or when it was at its worst or whatever is like a lot of what we're also going back to, which is a whole weird like inner child thing and like yeah. a whole other layers. Yeah.
2: Yeah, the wounded inner child plays a huge role in all of this. And you're right, you know, we'll often, you know, the memories will come up of, oh, well, and I felt like this as a child, I comforted myself with food, right? When this, when I got bullied, I came home and I ate this chocolate and it made me feel better or whatever, you know, the behaviors are. And so a lot of, you know, especially with our relationship with food, it starts as a child, right? Whether it's body image stuff, our parents ignored us, we had to closet eat because, you know, our siblings would eat all of the, you know, food on the table. And so we'd have to take our allowance and go and buy it and hide and eat it. Like, there's just so many what seem innocent habits that start at childhood that then morph into these massive, you know, emotional relationships with food. And I think that's why it's so important for us to start to be willing and open to explore and understand, you know, our triggers and our behaviors and how they're impacting our emotional health, our energetic health and our physical health. Because we tolerate like the familiarity and the comfort zone, right? Like when I was binge eating, I was literally to the point where I was eating out of my garbage can and binging until I was so full I was sick. But it was such a comfort zone for me and a familiarity and the fear of change, fear of the unknown, who would I be if I didn't have food as a coping mechanism? That was also scary to imagine that I kept sitting in denial and talking myself into that it wasn't a big deal, even though I was suffering immaculately. And so I think it's so important for us to have love and compassion and try to not be hard on ourselves for these behaviors and at the same time go, can I be lovingly honest with myself that this is having an impact, a significant impact on my health and well-being, my hormones, my inflammation, my future potential of, of manifesting some something I don't want, my bank account, my relationships, my business, my career, my family, right? Et cetera. And not to shame yourself, but sometimes it's so important for us to take a step back and look at the significance of it to help us go, you know what? I don't wanna like make this small anymore. I want to honor this for the significance it is. And I actually want to do something about it.
0: I think the thing that makes me nervous, especially with my own ED recovery, like so often, regardless of what type of addictive behavior we're talking about to cope with XYZ, that's also happening. It's a replacement behavior. Like if we remove this, we tend to replace it with a new habit. And, you know, you've seen People who struggle with eating disorders become alcoholics or get into drugs or whatever, and it can get quite out of hand. And I like the idea of, you know, focusing on simple things like breath, but the idea of that completely replacing that other habit just doesn't feel realistic to a lot of people when they're in it. And so I'm wondering what are the things we can do to work on ourselves when we're not in that triggered place so that when we get there that we feel more equipped. And I do think part of that is paying attention to our body more regularly. And we specifically brought up cycle syncing. Can you kind of dig into what are the things we can do to be listening and reacting in advance of so that we have less of these dramatic high-low moments?
2: Totally. Yeah. So I think awareness again is the first step. So I think it's so important that we start to become aware of what triggers us to go into self sabotage because if we're not aware, how can we ever change it? Right. And instead of going, well, I can't use food to cope if I get triggered, right? Because that can feel so daunting. It's like, let me start to write my triggers down. So even if I give in to food afterward, I'm going to just take a few moments and I'm going to start looking at, okay, let me get curious what maybe caused this? Was I dehydrated? Did I not sleep well? Was it a really overwhelming day? Right? So starting to build that list, because then on the days and weeks where you're not triggered, you can just be checking in and going, okay, like, did I get my hydration today? Have I taken my five minutes to breathe today? Am I feeling in my power today? Like what's coming up that might be vulnerable, like my cycle, right? Especially that last week where my appetite levels are up, my cravings are up, et cetera. I also think it's really important to start building awareness around what are the first signs that I feel pulled to go to food? Is it specific craving, specific self-talk? Specific emotions, right? Like overwhelm or frustration or anger. You know, is it that I visually see certain foods in my vicinity that I know I'm vulnerable to, right? Knowing your food vulnerabilities, I think, is also really powerful because, you know, when we start to learn about how specific foods impact the brain and give us a dopamine high and throw our blood sugar way off, and that certain foods are 10 times more addictive than cocaine, like refined sugar, when we start to learn about that, we take this label of I'm crazy, there's something wrong with me off because none of you are crazy. Like it's so multifaceted and so in depth with this behavior. Um, And when the foods are literally designed to excite the same part of the brain as a hard drug and give us a massive dopamine high, and then give us a pleasure response that then is, you know, stored in the brain, there is so much for us to build awareness around and, and go, hey, you know what, wow, like I'm gonna take some of this pressure off, I'm gonna you know, stop accusing myself that I need to try harder on my diet or have willpower when it has nothing to do with that. So I think the more awareness and understanding we can build around our triggers and the first signs, well, guess what? Then it's like, Ooh, I'm starting to feel that pull, that urge. Okay. Now I'm going to actually go and take a few minutes and journal and write down how I'm feeling and what's going on so I can understand. I'm going to go into some breath because when I start to feel that pull, I know I'm starting to get ungrounded. So if I can reground, right. And take my power back. Well, then I'm less likely to be triggered. If I am eating regularly through the day and drinking water and hydrated, my blood sugar is going to be far more regulated. I'm far less likely to want to go to food. Now, the last piece that's sneaky with this, I feel, is the wiring in the brain. So if you have a specific time during the day where you feel really vulnerable to go to food, even if you don't want to, right? Because this used to be me. I was like, well, it's the evening. I have no desire to eat. But then, you know, within 20 to 30 minute time frame, I'm like, I want to go to the store and buy all the food and eat it. And so what we also want to understand is when we're repeating any behavior, whether it's great or not great, if we're repeating it around the same time of day, you're literally wiring a pattern in your brain that says that lights up during that time, right? That neural pathway. So if you're an evening eater and you're like, how come it's so hard to stop? Like I'm trying all these things and they're not working part of it is that you've built this pathway in your brain that literally lights up whether you want it to or not and it's going to take time to dismantle that so if you know your vulnerable time is the evening or whenever it is are you able to start weaving in a little bit of a self-care practice getting outside engaging in conversation with someone or something to start breaking apart that pattern so that it weakens and dissolves and you build a new one which is I want to fill this time with exploring my triggers or doing self-care or engaging in conversation or something that isn't me going and using food to cope. And as you slowly make these changes over time, you build confidence. You start to believe in yourself. And as you do so, the thought of not using food to cope anymore and filling it with things that are more mindful, like breath and meditation, self-care, journaling, really owning and exploring your triggers starts to feel very empowering And then you're like, wow, like I'm feeling the shift with my identity with food. I don't want to do this anymore, right? And it's a lot easier to overcome and it doesn't just morph into another self-sabotage.
0: Want to learn exactly step-by-step how to get paid to generate leads in your business? I've kept these details to myself for far too long. I'm ready to spill everything and give you the exact steps that help me generate tens of thousands of qualified leads and millions in low-ticket digital product sales. With Indeed, we can target the right candidates for the right position. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. In the minute I've been talking to you, 23 hires were made on Indeed, according to Indeed data worldwide.
1: Yeah. I think what's interesting for me hearing all of this is, so my inclination is to turn away from food and go way more internal. And I know that the more I focus on what I actually put in my body, the worse that my behaviors become. And so I've always kind of like towed this line of trying to be aware enough and put it into words enough and create some you know, stop gaps for me to redirect myself, but not go too far into it because then it's the exact opposite for myself. So for some people who maybe are that way, are there any other techniques that you want to include in here?
2: Yeah. So I think there's the one of like, you know what, sometimes it may be that you try all of the things and you're like, you know what, I just, today I'm going to counter. So instead of going for the pint of ice cream, I'm going to have the apple. Right. And sometimes there's this meat in the middle of like, you don't just go from full blown binge and emotional eating to stopping. There's a counter, right? So I went from binge eating to emotionally eating to a bit of overeating and countering with healthier foods sometimes. Cause I was like, I'd rather meet myself in the middle Then drive to the store and buy all the junk food again and have the worst cravings again tomorrow in the brain fog. So there's that counter and there's nothing wrong with that. I go through my clients with that all the time, too. So there's that. And then, of course, I think there's a wide array of things that we can do or bring into practice depending on our preferences because we all have different things. So maybe breath and journaling aren't your thing. Maybe you have, you know, a nice backyard and you can get out and put your feet in the grass and really ground. Maybe it's a mindful movement, a yoga practice, a stretch, a run, a walk. Maybe you are the journaler and you want to pull it out and you come out the other side with 10 pages. Maybe you call a friend. Maybe you make your favorite cup of tea because it's like the urge of just like having something to sip on versus eat helps take some of that edge off. Maybe it's an infused water right? Maybe for you, you're needing comfort. And so instead of giving food, you wrap yourself in a warm blanket, put on your fuzzy socks and pull out a book, right? So there's a wide array of different practices that we can get into. And it really depends on the person. But I do find that bringing something small and that we can do to start taking a center of that fight or flight response really helps to take the edge off because a lot of us don't feel safe feeling our emotions and we feel too uncomfortable feeling. And so for already ramped up in fight or flight, like oh my gosh no i don't want to feel i don't i want to deal with this i just want to numb and suppress and distract so it's what makes it so easy to justify just going for food right so if you can take those couple minutes it can really shift
0: you know i do want to bring up some alternative ideas here and not that any of the things you've shared are bad by any means but i know as someone who also uses work as a distraction (laughs) from my own stress that sometimes some of those self-care activities, like they sound great and I may do them for a minute or, you know, like a season. And then like, I fall out of practice with them again. But I do think the things that have been the most helpful to regularly keep me more regulated are things I'm doing at work to help me get that pit of dopamine while working so that I'm not leaving on a low note. And so one of the things that came up recently in a client call was our client's desire to feel validated. And I think there's so many ways to feel validated. And so often we search for it outside of where we might even be needing it. And so I really think that us focusing more on the things we are accomplishing internally within our company has been really helpful. Like we exchange kudos on a regular basis. We call it giving someone a taco and we like, you know, tell them how great they're doing that day. We talk about clients' successes and the results they're getting. And anytime there's a testimonial or praise, like that, that's being shared among the team. We do try to celebrate when big projects are completed. I know we could do better at this, but you know, when our site launched last year, that was a huge deal. We hadn't redesigned bossproject.com in years, and, and that was important. And You know, there are things at work that can give you little spikes. Like, I will say one of the reasons our team loves Asana is when you check off enough tasks, the little unicorn flies across the screen and is like, you're doing amazing. Uh, You're right. I am. Thank you so much for telling me. And, you know, one of the things I've noticed, and part of the reason I think I've struggled outside of work, is... I'm naturally low in dopamine because of my biological makeup, you know, with some autoimmune stuff mixed in and some hormone related issues. Like it's just something I face all the time and it's not going away. And so I have to intentionally infuse healthy ways to seek that. And that's been really positive for me because some of these things, I think a lot of the ones you brought up, the self-care stuff, they're so required for you to do them yourself. However, the things we're talking about here, you can create a culture where the people surrounding you are providing that positive feedback and validation, even when you can't do it for yourself. And I know me being very vocal with those around me that I need this. Say nice things things to me. (laughs) Not in a, you know, not in a like needy, I always need to be told I'm great kind of way, but in a, I need this because this is how I function kind of way. It's been really helpful.
2: That's good. Yeah. I think there's all kinds of ways we can specifically get dopamine. And I was the same way. My dopamine levels used to be extremely low. Hence one of the reasons going to food and, and binge eating. Right. And so I think there's a wide array and what we want to get down to is, is those are great. And if I don't have any of that, how, and I'm with myself and I'm triggered, what am I going to do? Right. Because we want to have that blend of all of it. So in that moment when I'm alone and I don't have anyone else to reach out to and it's me, like, how am I going to give that to myself? Right. So I love that. And I, it's the same, like once I started my business, I'm like, wow, like this is another great way, another thing that's bringing me joy and like seeing clients like healing, like there's that aspect of community. And I also think two things like getting out into the sun can boost our dopamine. Infrared sun as red lights, right? Like eating, really nourishing food, getting inflammation down helps boost dopamine levels. I know when I used to have horrible inflammation, like my mood would just be in the gutter more easily, right? So getting to the roots of our inflammation, our hormone imbalances, like all of these things can slowly over time help to start increasing those dopamine levels, working on our gut health, yeah. right? So well, it's, think, there's so much.
1: I know we just briefly touched on it a couple of times, but investigating cycle syncing has been one of the biggest game changers for me because I think when we're having the conversation about awareness – Our bodies are changing all of the time (laughs) on a daily and weekly basis, depending on where we're at. All of our bodies are unique. I have an autoimmune disorder and a lot of inflammation in my body and hormonal imbalances. And so it's very unique for me, even to myself on a day-to-day basis, what's going on, but to begin to learn what our body is actually going through internally, like the science behind what is happening within our body, depending on what phase we're in, has given me so much release of like, instead of beating myself up for, why am I so tired? And I really want to do this. And I want to be able to do this. And I'm just not like, what's wrong with me, I'm lazy, or I'm burnt out, or I'm overwhelmed or whatever, really being mindful of like, no, literally, what am I actually capable of right now? I made this video recently on TikTok when I was in a phase and it was like, well, I'm on my period, I'm cramping, I feel miserable. And I was noticing a theme of whenever I was in that phase of feeling very like I want to burn everything to the ground and start over. And I want a new me. I want a new look. I want a new everything. I have to reinvent every aspect of my life in order to like scratch this itch of whatever my brain was telling me I needed. So I made this video that was like, is this just me? Is it because I'm on my period? Like what's happening? And people who are responding were like, oh my, like I go through that exact same thing. I thought this was just me. Like I thought I was the weirdo. And so I think like openly talking about some of that stuff. And I feel like the conversation around periods and cycles has gotten better and easier to have over the years. And I just, I wish we could all just easily understand that there's a lot of science behind what's going on (laughs) in our bodies that we're not taught at all. And so doing some of that investigation now can, I feel like, be really empowering.
2: It's huge. And I'm so glad that you both brought this up as part of this topic, because I used to feel the same way. And my cycle would hit and I'd be like, oh, I need energy. Why am I so tired? And like, I'm booked this week. And I, right. And now looking at him like, okay, my period's supposed to come around this time. So I'm not going to overdo this week. Right. And it's nice. And I know not everyone necessarily has the ability to do that, but even just like, okay, try to get to bed in a half an hour earlier, but it does, it makes a huge difference. So I don't know if you want to go through like the four phases and like talk a bit about that. Yeah. Let's yeah. spend the last 10 minutes hitting on
1: this. And I think that'd be a great way to, to wrap this.
2: Sure. Yeah. So of course, our day one, roughly to day five, seven is is phase one. And this is, of course, when we're in our moon, our cycle, our bleed, our period, menstruation, whatever you want to call it. And this is really the phase where I find, I call this like the more vulnerable phase just because we're not only physically going through this release, we're detoxing energetically, emotionally, and physically as well. It's a big shift in our cycle. And so I find that with this, we're more vulnerable. We may have breast tenderness, bloating, right? We may feel more emotional, more fatigue. And so this is where I think it's really important for us to go, okay, how can I maybe nurture myself a bit more? Like that inner child, like how would you nurture a child? Like your body is really craving that. And this is happening because we are having this dip of estrogen and progesterone so right these hormone fluctuations we go through without having hormone imbalances are a lot let alone if you know you have hormone imbalances plus you're going through these phases of your cycle so you know try not to be too hard on yourself if you're you said it was phase one where you wanted to just like burn everything to the ground right like i've been there too and it's it's nice to know you're not the only one that feels that way. And like, okay, just maybe give it a few more days before you make any big decisions. Maybe yeah, don't make like big decisions. Looking back on yourself, like, who was that? Like, that's yeah, not <laughs> Right? Yeah, it's like, maybe I don't make any big decisions in phase one of my cycle because it's there's a lot going on, right? So resting more, hydration, right? Really, like, I just find if you can really nourish your body, I know we all eat differently, but, you know, lots of good fats are important. Healthy fats help... With hormone production, inflammation, mood. So, like your avocados, your nuts and seeds, fatty fish, egg yolks, your coconut oils, and things like that, maybe. I you're just a always bit more get in-
0: iron deficient during this phase, jared's It's like uh, you need steak.
2: Like, steak <laughs> meat, yes, right. So, listen to those cravings. So, if you're craving things like red meat or fish yeah. or avocados or fruit, listen. Listen, <laughs> yeah. right? Those kinds of whole foods cravings are very intuitive, intelligent body cravings. And this may be a time where you may slow down your movement routine or rest more. I do find phase one is really more of a restful, gentle time because of this massive fluctuation in some of the symptoms you may be having. Now, side note, something I have really observed is that a lot of our PMS and symptoms that come into phase one of our cycle are actually not normal. So the more we heal the body, the more we can be free of these symptoms and actually go into a period with little to no PMS and little to no symptom going through the cycle. So the more I literally can- just learned that PMS isn't normal
1: or, right. or like, as in we don't have to go through that. It's normal as in a lot of people are impacted by it, but I was like, yeah. wait, what?
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. So the more PMS and symptoms we have, I find going into what day one to three, I used to get horrible cramps the first three days of my period, the more out of whack we can be emotionally, physically, hormonally, digestively. I find our gut and hormone health play a huge role in, you know, how big our PMS symptoms are. So I always say like, you know, if you're going, okay, I think my hormones are okay. Why am I still having PMS? What's going on with your gut health? because that plays a massive role. And the more inflamed we are, the more symptom we're going to have. So that's always something to look at. But to me, it's we can use our period as a good gauge, right? So you can kind of start, you know, maybe making a couple little changes and go, okay, I'm going to now see like, what is my body telling me for pre next cycle? Are my PMS symptoms worse, better, the same? Is it easier to get through my cycle? Do I feel a little bit more like it's less of a drop into the fatigue and the symptoms. Does it feel a little bit calmer, right? So this is use your cycle as a gauge, right? Check in with your symptoms and how is your bleed? So here's one other little tip. So if you have a lot of clotting with your bleed, that is a sign of a lot of liver stagnation. So even just something as simple as lemon in your water or a dandelion tea or just celery or, or cucumber juice, can help with that. Just super simple things. Right. And that will help your liver just amp up the detox a little bit more.
1: I'm jealous of the people who can just like, just assess the baseline and make adjustments, but with endometriosis and hormonal imbalance and only one ovary, like every day is a new day for me. And so I'm like is this a sign of something that I can make a change for and see a difference or is this because there's a war going on inside my body
2: right now Yeah and I think that's where it is like it's such an individual approach and it's hard to be specific cuz it, it is. is like each person has their individual thoughts, beliefs, diagnoses, imbalances, symptoms, relationship with body, food, right? Like it's it's very in depth and so I think this is where we can take into account what's going on for us. And then we can play around with some of these things and be really patient with our bodies and see over time, does this make a difference? If not, you know, maybe I try something else, or maybe this is where I'm sure you have someone that you write work with that helps you and gives you guidance and, or maybe you've learned it all yourself. And some people are just like, do all their own research and figure out what they need. Right. So I think that's where getting some support and guidance can be really helpful to help us with our specific story. Talk to us
0: about those next two phases. Yeah.
2: And so here's the only other factor, right? Talking about broad versus very specific to each person. This days like of each cycle are going to really be dictated based on how long your cycle is like, I'm a 28 to 38 day gal, right? And like that for you, (laughs) right? Some people are like 45. Some people are getting irregular periods and missing them for half the year. So This is not going to be like, don't take my word that it's going to be like day one to five or seven and then day blah, 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 right? Because each person is so different. Each woman is so different. But what I normally see is somewhere along the lines between day five to seven to about 13, 14, we start to get into like the pre-ovulation kind of phase. And if you're not ovulating or have PCOS or things like that, this could be really different for you, but we can get you back into ovulation. So this is, I find as we start to come out of the cave, I call it, we get a bit more energy, our mood stabilizes, we feel less water retention. We may feel like just a little bit more in our bodies again, more connected. So I find that this is a time where, you know, things are kind of regulating out or estrogen is coming up a bit, but this is a very one of the very creative phases I find we can get into creativity, starting to take more action. So maybe this is when you plan like your launches or like, you know, you, you get into something that requires you to show up a little bit more as you go through this time. This is a time where you're probably feeling more inclined to get more into some movement and activity. This is also a time to add in a lot of really great things to support your estrogen levels like berries, like yams and sweet potatoes, cruciferous vegetables, things like that, if you feel like you want to follow kind of food stuff. But I do find and then when we get into like ovulation and post ovulation, which is roughly day 14 to 16 to 25 ish, again, everyone cycles different. But this is where we're getting out of the follicular phase. So we've been through the follicular phase. Now we're kind of starting to come out of it. And in this, I find this is where we're feeling some of us if you have high estrogen, you may start to feel breast tenderness, which Ideally, you don't want to have for two weeks before your cycle. So getting some super super fun (laughs) girl, I've been there horrible three weeks of right estrogen stuff, not fun. So but this is where I find we can start to see a bit of mood change, especially getting into that like 22 to 25 day ish, right? Because we're then getting ready for a big surge of hormones again, and then a drop. But then of course, this is also kind of that phase, you know, with ovulation where we have the egg coming. And if we don't fertilize it, then of course we, the body's going, okay, well, we're going to detox again and we're going to release. So I do find though, this to be, it goes one of two ways for most women. They feel that continued surge of energy. They feel the creativity. They feel it's easy to be active and, or if there's more symptom and more imbalance going on, more stress in the body, they may feel the start to slow down the pulling back. The symptoms start to come in frustration, a bit more irritable. And this is because, again, some of these hormones are starting to shift. The estrogen and the testosterone, they've kind of peaked. The progesterone is on the rise and getting ready to drop for that cycle again. So there is a big vulnerability when we're going through these. I find day one to seven and then day 22, 23 up to 28 or 30 or wherever you drop back in where we can have increased appetite levels. Our cravings get bigger. So many women say to me, I want to eat everything the week before my period. And part of this is this rise and drop of these hormones. And also if you have an estrogen imbalance, if your estrogen is too high, excess estrogen breaks down into simple sugars. And these simple sugars can feed unhealthy bacteria that lives in the large intestine, also called yeast, candida, gut microbiome, overgrowth, whatever you want to call it. And this craves especially sugar and refined carbohydrates. And then we can have bigger cravings just before our cycle. So this is where if we can amp up our protein intake about a week before to help regulate our blood sugar, So, the steak, the red meat, the chicken, the fish, the eggs, ideally. I mean, if you're more plant based, that's fine. You can just make sure you're getting a lot of good fats, like your hemp seeds with your plants, right? Like your rices and beans and things like that. But protein is going to help your blood sugar be more regulated and help with the cravings and get you ready for this big shift in hormone, this drop of estrogen and progesterone going back to day one of your cycle. And so, to me, the first phase, restful as much as you can and be as gentle with yourself as you can it's the second two phases that you're going to probably feel most in your flow and then that fourth phase you may start to feel yourself feeling called to go back into the gearing you know, up for the rest yeah, <laughs> yeah right for, for sure
1: And I know all of us go through these phases at different times and hit us all a little bit differently. I think the key here is I want you to start listening to how your body is feeling and what can you allow yourself to do and to not do based on literally what is going on inside of your body. It's not going to be perfect, especially if you're dealing with any sort of autoimmune or hormonal imbalance already, but it is still worth it. To me, and I have seen it to be worth it for me to at least be a little bit of aware and start to learn a little bit more. So, thank you for breaking that down for us and everything else that you brought to the show today. If listeners want to continue to follow along and learn more from you, where can they go do that?
2: Yeah, and thank you for having me. So, you can go to amberproof.ca, that is the website. If you're wondering if you are going through any kind of emotional eating behaviors, I have a free quiz. I have the No Sure Coding Podcast, which is available on all podcast apps or the website with over 400 episodes. And I'm really excited to have you guys on and share more of your story so you can listen to that as well. And then if you want to further connect, I do offer a 30-minute connection, body freedom call to connect and talk about what's going on for you, give some insight and see if a different path may be aligned. So that's where everyone can find me. And then I'm on Instagram and it's just my name, Amber Romaniak. Awesome. Thank you. We will have
1: all of those links in the show notes for you guys as well at bossproject.com. So definitely head there to check them out. Thank you, Amber, again for being on the show with us today.
0: Looking to elevate your brand without the headache? Join the Co op, our creative template shop membership. With thousands of easy to customize templates, all crafted to seamlessly fit your business aesthetics, we make nurturing leads and driving sales effortless.